we are going to begin Sacrifice and Victims, and today is the 2nd of March. And I think there's um, a, a very interesting dynamic here that Joko um, wants us to see in practice. Um, meaning see in our life, which is the dynamic of um, feeling guilty and feeling sorry for ourselves, And that dynamic, um, or feeling guilty about having, as she puts it, sacrificed others, and feeling guilty, sad, for being sacrificed by others. Now, sacrificed is a heavy um, word, but it points out the ability that we have to make choices moment by moment, or the ability to run on automatic, so to speak, and therefore do things and have things done to us which perpetuates a process of harming and anger Um, which is why she then brings up she says someone somebody to quote her somebody has to stop the process because otherwise it goes on and on the sense of having been sacrificed and therefore, so to speak, feeling justified in sacrificing others. Sacrificing means it's okay for me to get angry because I'm upset and be angry at others and blame them for the upset, the whatever, and do harm in different ways, whether physically, verbally, even sometimes just in our thinking, um, which eventually comes out. And as she puts it, this perpetuates this cycle of suffering. And we see this. We know this in our own life. And we know this doesn't matter which side of the coin, so to speak, or which side of the equation or the dynamic or which aspects of the dynamic we're in. Because whichever aspect we're in, whether we're the so-called sacrificer or sacrificee, if I just use that image, and it's much more complex than just that simple one-to-one, we have the opportunity at some point to break that cycle based on what we do. And what we do is a matter of what we do that's skillful in practice, not some sort of ideal or some sort of, um, I'll say, nicey-nice thinking about how things should be, but in a real-life practice. It's not some ideal... It's not some ideal about ourselves and, or ideal about how others should be, but in the 
vivid immediacy of our life and our interactions to others, from others, that our opportunity is. Okay, I want us to explore this, so I'm sure you've all read this and have some comments and some ways that your clarifying it can help others clarify it. So I will stop here and open it up to your input, and we can go from there. Anyone? Well, uh, this is Ed Um Can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, I related quite well to this chapter. It's it's um, an experience that I recognize. She she talks about you know, early in our practice we'll get in touch with this reservoir of um, experiences and the emotions and the tension that that goes along with that. Almost For me, it was a reliving. Sitting in Zazen at Sashen or uh, another time, suddenly out of nowhere, I I would get this recollection of some, some time in my life in the past. And it's always in the past. I mean... In the, in the moment, we were kind of at the mercy of, of our emotional state. So we tend to look at these things, I think, more so in terms of past experiences where I was mistreated or where I felt that I was mistreating others in, in whatever way. And these, these experiences would become very visceral for me. And... You know, she, she talks about, you know, just being the experience of be, being the, the state in terms of thoughts and emotions and tensions and all that when something like that arises. But the tendency I had for the longest time was wanting to know what can I do about this? How do I fix this? Um, and I guess that's, that was from a sense of guilt and wanting to compensate or recompense for, you know, the ways I've been in the past that I now feel were uncalled for, unjustified, unfair, uh, and, and even worse than that. So the difficulty in what she's talking about for me is allowing this this experience to just be what it is and not expect to somehow fix it or disregard it, but to experience it fully. And that's, that's difficult sometimes. It's interesting that you bring it up in terms of so-called past and you almost uh, slide over the immediate, which is when we can most um, intimately apply ourselves if we are willing to, but that of course means we have to be willing to not indulge either in the anger 
harming or the poor me, terrible um, uh, injustice being done to me, either side of those. But that's really, it's, it's, when past comes up, fine, then right now is past's coming up, whether it's harm that we've done to others, harm that has so, so-called so happened to us. But we that coming up is in the present moment. And yet what's more significant and more available and more necessary is in the present moment when we notice we are indulging or being indulged in those activities right now. Of yeah, course. That's why, that's why I say, you know, I think oftentimes we're, and I use the word at the mercy, the words at the mercy of uh-huh. our reactive habits, our emotional state. And I mean, even 10 seconds is the past. Uh-huh. We, we, we say something, we react, and we say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. You're crazy. Or something to that effect. Uh-huh. And, you know, in that moment, you know, we're at, at the mercy of that emotional state, but then five seconds have passed and ten seconds have passed, and now we're dealing with the past. Does that make any sense, what I'm talking about? Well, I don't... That, that's a little too easy to say, well, five seconds have passed, so it's the past. That kind of past is immediate enough that we can atone right there in a in a real life way because the the process and the parties involved most of the time are still right there and that's right that's that's kind of the point isn't it that whether it's a 10 seconds into the past or 10 years in the past she uses a tone the way you use the tone at one yeah just be with that experience as it is no matter when it happens, whether it's just now or just then. Yeah, except in when it's just now, there's a much more um, alive and... A much better opportunity. Well, it also requires us to give away self-centeredness, if I say it in that way, to... And to atone by truly responding to the moment when it's five seconds ago. In other words, five seconds ago, I said such and such or felt such and such towards someone and I raised my and then noticed it. I could right away say, do something. Five Years ago, when it comes up, yes, I can atone right now, but the other person might not be here. They might not even remember it. I might only remember it in a very skewed, um, uh, contorted way. Um, So, yes, it is ongoing practice, and it's not a matter of guilt, but a matter of seeing what the moment right now is called for and yet there is the right now 
which is so much more vital and also so much more difficult for us, because it means, in a sense, letting go of the reactive energy that's, that's filling our being almost. If we're saying something or doing something or caught up in something. Um, I guess that's what I'm making is that it's always, you know, whether it's recalling something that happened 10 years ago or 10 seconds ago, mm -hmm. it's always experiencing that state right now. And stopping it. I mean, that's the other side. I mean, she says somebody has to stop the process. So it's always right now, how do I stop the process? Now, stopping doesn't mean just literally stopping. Stopping could mean saying something, doing something, even experiencing something and not saying something and doing anything. Um, it could be all sorts of things, but the stopping is the process of the, call it anger, sacrificing, etc. And that's what she wants us to notice in the particular way that we are involved with it, or we are indulging in it, or we are at the effect of it, or any of the other variations in that. Yeah, and that's the atonement she's talking about, yeah. being at one with it. But at one isn't a passive. At one means what is, a, is ours to do to intimately embody this, which can mean all sorts of things. See? Yeah, good. Well, if I could... This is Lisa Champagne. That's where I think... I like how she says on page 43 that um, you would be willing, second by second, to be the sacrifice that's necessary to break this cycle of suffering. I think uh -huh. that's what you were just talking yes. about. Um, and and being willing to be the sacrifice to me means like in that moment that I want to lash out at somebody because I feel hurt, um, I sort of make the sacrifice of of seeing that and not doing it and uh -huh. choose, choosing to do something which, like, my self-centered self would see as giving in or letting someone else win or being hurt and not doing anything about to get back or something. It's like that's the sacrifice is yes. to choose to do something, something else, something that's, well, I guess, you know, more skillful in Buddhist language. Or it's even to be willing to experience what's uncomfortable, which I would would want to say something about, but in a sense sacrifice my will in in will being willing to feel what I I don't want to feel right now, um, because by doing that that can stop that cycle or can stop me from you know coming out with well you know you always say that to me you know you or oh, whatever we're going to do I mean I just pick one example but way in which we perpetuate that those sorts of things right. um, and that's what she's talking about it's the 
stopping the process means we have to be the process. And it doesn't necessarily mean thinking about it. In fact, that's not, it's being the process we can see what's skillful and what's not, or we can see how the reactive habit that we're already in gear of and maybe even enacting needs to be and can be stopped because it perpetuates harm and suffering for us and others right then and there. Yeah. And to do this requires us to be present, especially when we are, what should I say, um, I, I don't know what word to use. Um, Triggered? <laughs> Triggered's a good word. I, I would, the word that came to mind was ticked off, but th- th- that's sort of a, a, a it, it, there's better words that are more or more encompassing, but triggered is a good word too. When our sensitivities or our reactive um, um, habits are are touched and go into for into action or into being triggered and go into um, automatic protective mode or whatever way we we talk about it, because we're present for that, because we see it and sense it as it's happening, therefore it doesn't have to control us. Therefore, it doesn't have to be what it is that's happening to us. That's what she calls on us in this chapter over and over to attend to. Let's see what some of you have to say. Well, I was thinking about this sacrificing others. Uh And at my stage of life, I see a lot of it as gossip. You know, Uh we only get together and, oh boy, is it fun to, you know, talk about others' faults or do you remember this and all this sort of thing. The tongue is is a big offender. <laughs> and I, I keep thinking of, you know, you know, those three monkeys, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. I actually saw the carvings of those in Nico, and, and, and they're gorgeous. But there's a lot of wisdom there. Yeah. Well, if, if you think of the Gatha of Atonement, we, talk, we, we say body, mouth, and thought. Mouth yeah. is yeah. exactly speaking or other ways of... Um, um, I mean, that's why we use the expression backbiting. Or yeah. Oh, yeah. So. And, and you truly are sacrificing somebody else. You're sacrificing their good name... Uh, your feelings about them. Um, I had never really thought of it as sacrifice, but you know, you're tearing them apart. And part of tearing someone else apart is doing it so that I don't have to feel what's uncomfortable when such and such happens or when such and such is said or done. Yeah. Um, so I'd rather 
do something else with it and direct it somewhere else so that I don't experience this. So because I don't want to experience it, let someone else have the... Um, let let it ricochet off me onto them. Um, and, yeah. let, and let me maybe add a little more so that I could even get... Um, get a, a, a little bit more of a charge out of doing it that way. Now, again, this is, we're being g- in general, and it's good to talk about in general terms, and yet this is something we need to practice with in the specific ways this arises for us. And we don't have to go looking for it, because just in the process of being present, just in the process of our zazen and our daily life, we will discover little and big ways where, if we're sensitive to it, if we notice it, these sacrifice habits and, re- and uh, reactions occur. Um, sometimes they even occur with people at a distance who we don't even know, but we just hear something about whether... individually from someone else or um, through the media or in all sorts of ways and we don't notice how we indulge ourselves in in this I mean that's what what she talks about is is how that this cycle um, this desire to get even to desire to hurt others who we believe have hurt us who we believe are responsible or will be responsible or could be responsible or whose very existence means that such and such. Therefore, I have to say, do, think, feel, express certain things to hurt them. So, you know, it's perfectly natural. I'm just protecting myself. But what she's saying is that cycle just continues the harm in all sorts of ways continues the harm and if we don't break that cycle then we we can't call ourselves by our true name and can't call anyone else in the universe that we encounter by their true name because we're just I mean and that's in a way part of what that poem by Thich Nhat Hanh's about, about breaking the cycle, because you see that the cycle misses the true name of who we are. Whether we are, I'll pick a simple, the simple example, whether we are the um, snake that's eating, um, or the insect that's eaten, or whether we are, or the frog that's eaten, I don't remember which one, doesn't make a difference, whether we are the one that is harmed or the one that's doing the harming. See? Because we can convince ourselves in little and big ways that we've been harmed and therefore we have to harm back. And that just perpetuates it. But let, let me stop because I want you to bring, clarify this. Because practicing with this is what this is about for us. But to practice with it, we need to um, chew on it because of how easy it is to, to miss it, because of how little we are 
um, experienced with doing this. I've had lots of practice this week. Uh, Go ahead. With this, uh, because I've been in, uh, you know, two different situations where uh, I'm required to evaluate. Uh-huh. You know, people. And the one was more difficult than the other. The second, I mean, we had lots of success, and everybody that more or less we had to evaluate all did a good job. We came out way ahead. Uh, the other one was more difficult because it was trying to find the positive in the <laughs> where that pony is supposed to be. <laughs> um, what, 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 what was that? Where that pony is supposed to oh, be? The pony, where the pony is. I don't understand that expression. Well, the, the, the joke about uh, the two twins, were you the one that was telling it? Where, where they uh, for Christmas there was a pile of manure in the I, I see. Room and, yes. and the one, you know, was mad because. Uh, right. Yes, yes, I got it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Be, be, one go. was mad because there was a pile of manure. Right. And the other one was glad because that means they got a pony for Christmas. And the, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Got to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so. Uh, so we were trying to find the pony in the, <laughs> in the manure. In the manure, yeah. Um, without sacrificing the person in the, in the meantime. <laughs> so anyway, it was, and then of course, if you listen to anything going on the radio or television right now, it's pretty easy to start judging. Yes. Um, what, what kind of gets me though is that, um, like yesterday, uh, I had um, uh, a conversation with somebody. They had kind of prepped me before the conversation, indicating that what they were about to say might be disturbing. And um, so I listened to what they had to say, and. Um, I noticed that it did trigger some things for me, and I left the room for for a while, left the, the area, um, and just you know kind of told myself, okay, just you know, don't say anything, you know, don't don't say what you want to say. This sort of lashing out of the cycle that you talked about. Um, but at some point, when I went back into the situation, uh, I I did say something that, uh, in retrospect, I wished I I really didn't need to say. Uh, you know, it wasn't it wasn't in an angry way, but it was more just not necessary. But what was interesting was I had told myself not to say it, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's that's that part of that cycle that I I don't get. It's like I know better, and yet the habit is apparently so strong. <laughs> so who said it? If you if you told yourself not to say it, that means you knew not to say it, and you knew to tell yourself not to say it. So who said it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever part of me's not listening. <laughs> not buying into it. 
Good, good. So, so you, as you just said, there's a part of me that's not listening. And yet our practice has to be not about telling myself what I should or shouldn't say. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's not enough. Because as soon as that part of us that's not listening comes up, when we notice that, that's when we have to make the self-sacrifice of not letting it go out further. Despite the fact that it, it feels justified, I mean, I'm justified in saying that, somehow we have to find the skillful means in practice of not giving in to that. Even though we're 100% or 1,000% justified in our mind um, to do whatever we're doing. That's what I'm trying to explain, though. I, I don't feel, I didn't feel justified. I knew it wasn't an appropriate thing to say. So it's not, I mean, it's not quite like that. It's like there's, there's some level of awareness of it, uh-huh. uh, but there's something else that, um, excuse me, in this particular situation, um, I, I don't know. I, right. I, I don't know what that is. I, I see what you're saying, that certainly I could have practiced uh, a little bit more with it. No, no. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not saying that you, you could have practiced more with it. Um, I, I'm saying that despite the fact that we, as you say, know, even decide not to say it, and then we're in the situation, and for some reason we're not present in a way to notice when that habit is coming up. So because that habit comes up and it just goes, as you say, it just goes despite the fact you said, I'm not going to do this, It does, you do it anyway. Or, or someone did it, I don't know who, maybe your doppelganger showed up and <laughs> took over. But that's exactly, so we have to find the ways we individually, in the particulars for us, because each of us have our own particular areas where this is appropriate and yet difficult. We have to find the way to assist and support ourselves in practicing with this. That's why in a, the, the, the general things she say we could all agree with, and yet in the specifics we have to find the way to say what what is called for practice-wise. I mean, you and I can talk about it individually, whoever you is, and yet even then, though we talk about it and make suggestions, you, each of us, I, each of us, has to find the ways for when this occurs for us. Not for when it occurs in theory, not for when it occurs for other people, but when it occurs for me. What can I do, and what can I do now in ongoing practice, so that when it occurs, I will be more able to practice with it. I I don't want to make any specific suggestion, because it's not about suggestions from others. It's about our own doing 
the stopping the process or redirecting and re and, uh, channeling the process or even noticing it and being willing to um, what should I say receive and experience what's hard to experience without having to bounce it back in whatever way we do. But Gamiel, don't you think, I mean, that's where the atonement part comes in. Yes. I mean, when, that, when there's not the perfection, I mean, like I had an experience just today, just a mundane experience where I was in a meeting and I became very uncomfortable, frustrated, upset with how things were going uh-huh. and I could see myself and feel myself making the director of my department you know, like putting up a wall against him uh-huh. and making it, you know, ma- becoming frustrated with him, like focusing yes. sort of on him. And I, you know, I didn't didn't lose it totally by any means or anything. And I managed to remain, you know, outwardly pretty, um, pretty, pretty normal. I think pretty reasonable and 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 slightly supportive. <laughs> Although there were a couple little things that, you know, I might not have said. So. But then, but then, so, in terms of the atonement, so then what do you do then? So, you know, then I'm back in my office for the rest of the day, and I mean, I could see that there was a choice between going on and on in my head about how Mike isn't doing this, and he isn't doing that, and he's not a very good communicator, and things are not going well, you know, um, or I, you know, or I could do something else. And so, you know, late, late in the day, I went to his office and, and I just, you know, I said, like, I'm sorry, if, you know, if I seemed uh, glib about, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure it was a very painful meeting for you yesterday or, or whatever. And, and then we talked and, you know, I sort of see that as like my atonement. Like yes. there was, you know, there, there was a choice. It didn't have, I wasn't able to do it in the moment perfectly, but but after a few hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and don't even, no need to, to add on judgment, I did it perfectly or not. That's exactly what she's talking about. Um, practicing with our lives in our particular way as best we can, in one sense, seeing our, as she says, seeing our desire to sacrifice others because we are angry, upset, hurt, and fill it in whichever way. And we need to see these desires and not act on them, or see that we're beginning to act on them and not act on them further, or see that we've acted on them and not act on them further and and do something else. And she says this atonement goes on for a lifetime. Um, That's endless atonement. Um, and there isn't a formula that we can carry around with us all the time and always apply to every situation other than being present and being willing and able to notice it and then use our the wisdom of our life ongoing practice to see, do, what's called for. And that's what, for some of us, makes it hard, because it means that you don't have a plug-in formula, and um, and you don't have any way of escaping making the 
effort to be present because that's what it calls for. And that's what we'd rather not do. We'd rather get some formula and say, okay, that's the formula, I got it, and everything else is taken care of, and now I'm just going to coast along and um, uh, do what I've always been doing. Anyone... In one sense, this is this chapter is very simple, um, or, and yet though it's very simple, it's very difficult. It's difficult because it requires us to notice what we're doing, to notice the subtle ways that we indulge in justification and anger and other ways of sacrificing others to feed what makes us feel okay, good, better, righteous, etc. And it means willingness to feel the harm caused by others or harm caused by circumstances, or the suffering and stress that result from circumstances, and not perpetuate that. And we all want to perpetuate it. If it's done to me, i got to do something on to someone else. And that way, I'll feel, at least I got, I got them back. I got my, mine in. Um, and yet... That isn't the skillful way. Because we see very well, if we do that, then it just keeps on going. And yet, despite seeing it, we still want to do it, because it seems so good to us. (laughs) I won't say good in a broad sense, but in the immediacy of, it's the ice cream that we want to lick right now. Very satisfying in the moment. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with ice cream. I love ice cream. <laughs> so, okay. And anyone, <laughs> anyone else? Good. So next week we are going to read the promise that is never kept, which I think is a good continuation of this chapter and we'll talk about that next week Um, that's Thursday I think it's the 9th or the 10th let's see, today's the 2nd so it's the 9th and then the week after that is Sashin so we won't have a class the week after that okay, thank you all have a good evening thanks everyone Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.